For 75 years, NCMIC has been doing the right thing for its customers, employees, and the community. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Welcome back, Miller and Condon. Trent Condon, Ken Miller with you until noon, bottom of the hour. We will get into the Bears, save a little time uh, to share my thoughts on the team that we're just, for whatever reason, overlooking in the Big 12 as the third, uh, the team, if it's not Iowa State or if it's not Oklahoma, we're just passing this team and I don't know, we're overthinking it. All right. It's easy. It's easy. Yeah. Kind of like the guy who's going to, never mind. Um, uh, yeah, that didn't work out. No, well. no. Uh, so, but that, but this one will. Okay. And you've got the win totals in front of you for I, the Big Twelve. Uh, I have the odds to get to the championship. Game. Okay. Yeah, just right. make an appearance there, not even win it, just play for the title. Kind of uh, like that. One. Let's talk some recruiting. We've talked more recruiting this year than I think we have in a long time. There's been a lot of news. Iowa State certainly making a lot of it. Iowa, likewise. Iowa got a really good football recruit last night. <laughs> when uh, kind Brody of a different Brex, path. It was a different path when Brody Breck's name was not called in the first ten rounds, and uh, he set his price. MLB teams decided not to meet it. He's going to play football. He's going to play baseball. And a guy who covers recruiting and writes about it uh, as one of his duties at the Des Moines Register is Matthew Bain, and he joins us, and we're grateful for that. Matthew, Trent Condon, uh, this is Ken Miller. Thank you for coming on, Matthew. How are you? Good, of course. How are you guys? Doing well and appreciate it because uh, I am way over the tips of my skis when it comes to this topic. <laughs> so we wanted to get somebody that uh, follows it as closely as you do. So I get the sense that, that that Iowa State is doing maybe not historically well, or maybe you'll tell me that they are doing historically well when it comes uh, to football uh, and some of the names that they're getting. Uh, they don't get the four stars and the five stars for the most part, but Boy Campbell certainly develops them. Uh, but now they're getting maybe in some living room, seemingly, Matthew, that before uh, that access wasn't there. Uh, am I correct in my assumption that Iowa State is uh, trending upwards when it comes to recruiting? Well, there's no doubt that it's trending upwards. That's both you know, in the regional and national sense. They're getting some guys that they, that they wouldn't have got before. Um, they got R. Mason Thomas, a really good defensive end of Florida. Um, who, you know, three, four years ago, Iowa State wouldn't have even gotten a phone call with him. Um, they got another really good defensive end out of Kansas City area, um, who's kind of a similar situation. And Ikena Iziogu would have never gotten in his living room a few years ago. Uh, but when you say, like, historic class, this is a really, really good class so far for Iowa State. We'll see if it winds up being historic. But it is historic in the sense of the in-state guys, in the sense of the Iowa players that they're getting. So Iowa State, you know, usually gets quality players from Iowa. But rarely when an Iowa prospect holds an offer from Iowa and Iowa State has that prospect picked Iowa State. It's usually picking the Hawkeyes. Um, But this year, Iowa State has reeled in quality, quality in-state targets that Iowa really wanted. Most recently, they got Hunter Dale, the four-star defensive tackle out of Lewis Central. Um, He's a top 250 prospect in the entire country. This has been thought to be down to Iowa and Iowa State for a long time. And Iowa State, 
beat Iowa. Uh, then you've got Jacob Inning, the linebacker out of Sergeant Bluff Luton. He's a, a top 500 guy in the country. Um, he was considering Iowa, Iowa State, and Kansas State. He picked Iowa State. Then you've got uh, Will McLaughlin, another linebacker out of Harlan. He's kind of a top 750 guy. Um, really close to Jacob Emming in terms of the rankings. Somebody who Iowa and Iowa State both really wanted, he picked Iowa State. So that's three for three in terms of kind of a head-to-head competition for Iowa State that in years past, they don't beat the Hawkeyes for these guys. So uh, Cyclones are, are majorly trending upward. So the Cyclone perspective, it's great. From an Iowa perspective, you're wondering what's happening. And going back to now 13 months ago, last June, the questions among the program about the racial disparity inside of it, and then the COVID year, the way Iowa does the recruiting, different than some programs out there. I know that it's all a small piece, kind of all globbed together, but when you look at the struggles that Iowa's had, not just on the national front, but even here on the local front, what do you think the biggest impact is? You know, I I don't, I think a lot of Iowa fans are panicking just because Iowa State is beating them for some guys and because they're missing out on, on top tight end targets. Iowa has missed on three of its top tight end targets, uh, which is kind of rare at that position for the Hawkeyes. Really? Mm-hmm. But they still are doing well. They're still getting really solid players. Uh, they still have um, the highest ranked committed prospect in Iowa in Aaron Graves. So the high, the, the best football prospect in Iowa who's committed um, is committed to Iowa. But Yes, this is weird. They're not used to Iowa State beating them. They're not used to schools around the country beating them for the top tight end. You mentioned uh, the Chris Doyle, you know, allegations of racist conduct incident. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if that's a prevalent conversation that they're still having with recruits, but when it comes to recruiting, any chink in the armor is not good. Any way that you can split hairs and split it towards another school um, is not going to help you. So I don't think that, you know, that issue is a big thing right now for Iowa recruiting, but I'm sure it's a little thing for a lot of prospects out there. And you know, when you're trying to get guys that a bunch of schools are going after, you don't want any little thing going against you. Um, but again, I think Iowa's class is doing just fine right now. They're getting quality guys. They're going to get quality guys for the rest of this class. But there are some things going on that are going to make Hawkeye fans Panic and worry, namely that Iowa State's beating them for for Iowa guys, and that they're 0 for 3 on their top 10 end target, which is weird. I will give you that. Uh, Matthew Bain covers recruiting for the Des Moines Register. He joins Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Matthew, would you say that Iowa is um, trending up as a state? Uh, the the talent that, that that comes out of the state of Iowa is it trending upwards? Like we're never going to be Florida or Texas or any of those <laughs> schools or any of those states as far as the the talent. But Southeast Polk's got a couple of guys that apparently are going to have options to go anywhere uh, when it gets to, when <laughs> when it gets to their uh, uh, signing day. Um, is it is is it trending upward in your opinion? Are you seeing more high end prospects over the last few years for whatever reason? Yeah, I, I think it's a combination of things. I think that, um, that yes, there is an uptick in talent in Iowa, but I also think there's a significant uptick in exposure um, in states like Iowa and just across the country. Um, you know, I, I came to Iowa as a preps reporter and a Hawkeyes reporter. We didn't really do recruiting. Um, but, you know, three or four years ago, they said, hey, Matt, why don't you go do recruiting? And it's like, okay, that sounds like fun. 
It's this, it's this new thing that so many people are caring more and more about. Ten years ago, nobody gave a hoot about recruiting. You're right. Now, um, you know, it, it's one of the, the largest generating sports beats out there. Um, so I just think that there's a ton more people covering Iowa recruiting um, and therefore getting these guys exposure uh, to where coaches, you know, in Florida, in Texas, in, in Ohio, elsewhere, may not have known about these guys before. Um, but with the exposure that they're getting, they're finding them. So I think that has been a big part of it. Yes, there's been an uptick. And also, you know, just the increase in, in social media and how any coach from anywhere in the country can just go on, on somebody's Twitter and see their huddle. That helps a little bit. But, but I really do think it's just more exposure. Speaking of those Southeast Polk prospects, Xavier Wampka, I know a lot of people think Ohio State is the leader for him. He tweeted out, hometown hero, when he took his unofficial visit to Iowa. Notre Dame in the mix. Ultimately, what do you think it's going to be for Wonka? And Caden Proctor, his teammate who's a year younger, still has two high school seasons in front of him. Any timeline on the decision for him? So I'll start with Caden. No, no timeline on the decision. He is in a rare and enviable position where he hasn't even started his junior year of high school, and he has every offer that he would ever want in the entire world. So all he needs to do is just have fun playing high school football, and all these schools are going to wait for him to make a decision. Um, so I, I think he'll he'll take his sweet time. I think Iowa and Iowa State, you know, will be in it till the very end. He's got really good relationships with them, but you know, he he also has any option in the entire world that he wants. In terms of Xavier uh, Wampa, yeah, you're right. Ohio State is kind of that trending team for him for whatever reason. I don't know if it's just being devil's advocate or anything, or if I'm just weird. Just from talking to him and from talking to people, I feel like Notre Dame, I'm glad you mentioned them, because I feel like they could be the dark horse and kind of swoop in there in the end and land him. Um, but uh, but it's those two, and then Texas A&M is also seen as a big-time competitor. Iowa, Xavier Wampa loves Iowa. Um, he, he loves what Phil Parker does with the defensive backfield. Um, he's intrigued by the idea of playing in state. But I just think that Iowa might be in that second tier. So you'll have Ohio State, Texas A&M, and Notre Dame in that top tier. And then I think right at, at, at that number four spot is Iowa. Um, Iowa got some good news yesterday with Brody Breck. Did you ever, when you were covering his recruiting, I mean, it was a foregone conclusion, right, that he was going to play football at Iowa. But but how close do you think, from, from what you know of him, um, how difficult was the decision on his part, do you think? I don't think it was difficult. Um, I, I think I think there were a lot of Hawkeye fans worried for the MLB draft that really didn't need to be. Uh, I, I don't think that Brody completely ruled out the possibility of you know getting drafted and going into a, in a into a farm system somewhere. But his number one this whole time was to play football at Iowa. Um, I don't think it's his dream necessarily to play in the NFL or at the MLB. I think it's his dream to play football at Iowa and perhaps turn that into an NFL career. So I think with that in mind, he probably gave program, uh, you know, MLB teams an asking price that was just way, way too high. Mm-hmm. But hey, if somebody was willing to give him the money, maybe he considers it, you know? But, uh, but I think that he gave teams an asking price knowing in his mind that he'd have to be offered a whole lot of money to turn down a dream to play football at Iowa. And here's the deal. If he plays, you know, football and baseball at Iowa, 
and he finds out, you know what, maybe I don't love football as much as I thought. Maybe I do want to focus on baseball. He can still get drafted out of college. It's not like him turning down options right now and not getting drafted out of high school means that, okay, his baseball career is done. No, I mean, he could still get drafted, but... But yeah, I, I just think I just think there wasn't really much of a chance that he was not going to play football at Iowa. Matt, let's jump over to the basketball side of things as we go inside recruiting. Uh, Iowa already's got their point guard for the next class, and you know that recruiting win, getting Desante Bowen, a guy that Fran had targeted very early in the recruiting process, really a couple of years ago, getting him from the Northeast, <laughs> a, a prep school there, pretty nice recruiting win. He's not. You know, a top 20 player, McDonald's All-American, but a nice top 100 player. That recruiting win for Fran, though, felt pretty big. Yeah. No, it's a big-time win because of what you said. They were his first offer back in, like, early 2019. They've been on him forever. Um, And it's not like they were on him forever and nobody else jumped in, and that's why they got him. Mm -hmm. A lot of other schools... I kind of followed Iowa's lead and realized, oh, Desante Bowen's a really good player. Uh, but that early relationship paid off. Um, Courtney Eldridge, the director of player operations at Iowa, is a Boston guy, a Massachusetts guy. Um, so I think he played a big role in this. Fran's reputation is pretty rock solid in the, on the East Coast because of what he did at Siena. Um, so I think this was just a, a really logical target for the Hawkeyes and, and one that they're fortunate to have gotten because – He's the type of guy, like you said, he's not a McDonald's All-American guy, but he is in that top 100, top 150 range. Um, and he plays on the Nike EYBL circuit, so he knows a lot of guys, and a lot of guys have seen him play. So he can be an asset in their recruiting moving forward. Uh, Matthew Bain from the Des Moines Register. Matt, my last thing for you, um, we overlook Drake and, and you and I when it comes to, re- to, to talk, quite honestly. So uh, how are DeVries and Jake doing on the recruiting trail? Uh, DeVries and Drake writing a really good story, as you well know, over on Forest Avenue. Uh, how have they done? Yeah, so Drake is, is obviously looking to build off its momentum here. This is the most momentum the program has had in ever. <laughs> So they're, they're definitely looking to make some splashes in the 2022 class. I've actually got a story coming up later today kind of updating folks on, on who they're looking at in 2022. Uh, the number one target has been and will continue to be Josh Dix, the combo guard out of Council Bluffs, um, Abraham Lincoln. He is a big-time, high-major prospect. Wake Forest and Iowa are going all out to get him. But so is Drake. Drake is trying to sell him on hay. You can come in right away, uh, be an immediate contributor, uh, be kind of the guy instead of one of the guys that you might be at a high major, and play alongside Tucker DeVries and turn Drake into you know a mid-major power uh, along the lines of, of Butler or Xavier. So that's kind of their message, and that's a pretty pretty strong selling pitch. Um, Iowa's going hard after him. Wake Forest, like I said, Minnesota is too. Uh, but Drake is really trying to get him. They also like, um, out of Florida, A.J. Brown. He's another kind of lofty guy that, in most years, Drake wouldn't go after. He's a three-star guy with high major offers from, like, Clemson, Penn State, Texas A&M, stuff like that. But Drake is also in the mix because they're a hot team. They're a hot name. They, they opened a lot of eyes with their performances last year. And assistant coach Marty Richter used to be uh, the coach at Florida Southwestern Junior College in Florida, and he's got as good of connections as anybody else in the country in Florida. So they're looking at A.J. Brown. Uh, Will Loving's Wasp is a, is a shooting guard out of Indiana that they really like. Um, they also like Brendan Moss. He's a shooting guard out of Minnesota who actually plays AAU basketball with a bunch of islands on Kingdom Hoops. 
Um, he visited Drake in June. Uh, Drake hasn't offered yet, but they really like him, and they're going to watch him next weekend. So a few names kind of on the perimeter that they're looking. They're really focusing on the perimeter for the 2022 class. You know, Matthew, I know you're not from here, but just seeing the development and something Ken kind of mentioned on the football side of things, but basketball too, the grassroots programs that we have here in the state of Iowa, it's incredibly good what they've been able to do. And it's not just the guys that we see going to major schools or staying in state to go to Iowa and Iowa State, but just the sheer number of mid-major kids that are now coming out of our state. It's a huge number compared to past years. Tell us a little bit deeper, the grassroots people that you know and what they've done in the development here inside the state for basketball. Yeah, no, the grassroots folks in Iowa are are phenomenal. I've had an opportunity to, you know, cover high school sports and college sports, kind of that recruiting blend in, in California, in Arizona, the Phoenix area. I worked a little bit in Atlanta as, as an intern in college. So I've seen a lot of different guys. Um, and Iowa is, is just as good as any of them, if not better. Um, we got quality programs, uh, Beyond Ball with John Lamb. You got All Iowa Attack uh, with Lefty Moore. Uh, Kingdom Hoops, Vance Mosley. Uh, Martin Brothers with Hank Huddleston, the Iowa Barnstormers uh, with Jamie Pettigrew and Tanner Carlson, uh, just really, really good guys um, who, you know, honestly have the best in mind for, for their players. And that's not necessarily the case. I've seen a lot of, you know, the dark underside of AAU basketball in the recruiting world these past three, four years. And uh, Iowa kids are fortunate to have a bunch of AAU programs that, I would say are not on that dark underside of the of the world. They are really have the best intentions in mind for these kids. Good to hear. Really mm-hmm. good to hear. Matthew Bain, good to hear from you. Thank you for helping us out with this topic uh, that, uh, as you mentioned, and you're 100% right, uh, the growth of recruiting within the last few years. I, I thought we'd you know, f- see a peak, but it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And thank you for helping us out with it, Matthew. We appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, fellas. Have a good one. Yeah, you do the same. Matthew Bain from the Des Moines Register. Um, good stuff. We've got a keyword, and then mm-hmm. we'll have Jeff Hughes from the Bears blog. We did the Vikings earlier. We'll do the Bears. Thursday, we will get into the other two, the Packers and the Chiefs. Uh, but right now, it's time to, well, hopefully, we did have a winner in the building this morning. We do- did. WHO got their first winner up the hall from Max us. and Amy. Yes. Six o'clock six hour. Early. Early in the yes. Yeah, so you were on your walk hour. at the time? I was, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's time to go for the green right now on KXNO. You can text the keyword PAY to 200-200. That's PAY to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Uh, major news with the with the Minnesota Wild. Uh, buying out a couple of their veterans, big-name players. Zach Parise and Ryan Suter, both buyouts. Parisi, not a huge surprise. No, because he'd been uh, a healthy scratch. Suter, Suter is a surprise. Yeah. He plays over twenty minutes a game. Big defenseman, but buying them out so changes uh, to the north of us with the Minnesota Wild. Chicago Bears talk next. Eleven twenty-five. Miller and Condon, fourteen sixty. KX and Owen. One hundred. Your best summer. Trent Condon here for K Guard Leaf Free Gutter System. After wind took down a gutter at my house a few weeks back, I did the research and it pointed one way to. K-Guard Gutter System. The Manning Brothers are Central Iowa guys that grew up here and take pride in the work that they do. And that certainly showed at my home. Professional installation on most homes in one day. 
No more worries about clogged gutters. Contact KGuard Iowa today for a no-cost consultation at 515-795-7069. 795-7069 or online. KGuard Iowa. On your side. Some roofing companies come and go like a passing storm. Here today, gone tomorrow. Not Wolf Roofing. Wolf Roofing has been serving Central Iowa since 1993, from basic repairs to complete re-roofing projects. Wolf Roofing has the expertise to get your job done right. We have a team of highly trained and certified people, both in the field and behind the scenes, who care about your project. For a job done right, get the professionals at Wolf Roofing a call at 225-8866 or find us on the web at Wolf. The 2021 George Niang Charity Golf Outing is coming up on Friday, July 23rd at Ames Golf and Country Club. Join me, George Niang, along with the voice of the Cyclones, John Walters, Lindsey Fenley, and Betsy Wade, as we benefit Friendship Arc Homes and Community Services. Golf, Social Hour, and Sponsorship Spots are available at FriendshipArc.com to join us and give back to this great organization that supports individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities to thrive. Really clean until it's zero res clean. Now back to Middle and Condon on 1460 KXNL and 106.3 FM. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. Just past 1130. We take you towards noon on 1460 KXNL, 106.3 on the FM dial. Well, Jeff Hughes, he's a good follow on Twitter. He's a good guest on radio. DeBear's blog is his Twitter handle. I had no idea this little nugget that Jeff responded to a tweet this morning. In New York City, you mean to tell me, Jeff Hughes, that until Governor Cuomo apparently signed this bill today, you couldn't get a haircut on a Sunday in New York? Is that true? No, you could get a haircut on Sunday, but it's just one of these old laws that stayed on the books for an awful long time that nobody knew uh, was still on the books. But apparently it was, and Governor Cuomo has finally righted this wrong, and we can now legally, without prosecution get a haircut on sunday yeah without looking looking at the door wondering who's going to the authorities going to be walking in and arrest everybody that's unbelievable well jeff i want to save a little bit of time to do some uh, some golf with you because i know you're into it we're into it british open the final major gets underway tomorrow but we're going to talk chicago bears with you right now matt Nagy today or maybe at least i saw it today recently we'll put it that way said it's time for this offense to come to life and to take a major step forward. Well, he's right. Uh, can it happen? You know, I don't know. Uh, I think it's a very – I know why he made this statement. I know he wants to put the pressure on the offense to match up to the defense and lead this team into the playoffs. But what do we really expect from an offense led by Andy Dalton? And, and, and how long is Andy Dalton going to be the starting quarterback? Unless I know the answers to that, those questions – I don't, I don't put a lot of onus on what this offense does. Everything about this organization now is about Justin Fields. Everything. Yeah. It's all about when does he play, mm-hmm. when does he take over, and when he takes over, what are the pieces on that roster around him for him to succeed. And So I'd love to see the offense play well. They're certainly a talented group, and they should be way better than they were a year ago just by changing the quarterback. Andy Dalton is a, is a massive upgrade over Mitch Trubisky, but... I don't know. I'm not in this camp of this offense has to excel with Andy Dalton because it doesn't really matter. It's about fields and when he gets out there. Defensively, 
need a step forward, and you need Robert Quinn to be the guy they thought they were getting a year ago to help out on the other side of Khalil Mack. As some of the youngsters coming up there, including Gibson, who maybe has some moments in him, I think, going forward. I don't think he's a full-time player out there. But the defense, and most importantly, generating a pass rush for somebody outside of Khalil Mack. You think this team's going to get to the quarterback this year? They don't, they don't have a choice. They are now going to enter this season with their weakest collection of corners in a generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no Charles Tillman walking through that door. There's no Kyle Fuller walking through that door. Jalen Johnson's a heck of a player, but Jalen Johnson has a history of not finishing seasons. So they don't, if they don't get to the quarterback, they're going to allow a whole lot of points. And then redirect you to the last question, then they better score points. They're going to get blown out of these games. So uh, I don't think they have a choice. They need Robert Quinn to produce. They need Khalil Mack to hit some quarterbacks. And, and Khalil Mack is one of these players now that's a little befuddling because all the statistics tell you he's having good seasons except he's not burying quarterbacks into the turf. And I continually argue with some of the analytical folks that, yes, pressures are important, but pressures don't make quarterbacks jittery, and pressures don't make quarterbacks make bad decisions. Getting pounded into the ground is what does that. That's what the elite pass rushers do. And I need him, and the Bears need him, to really start hitting quarterbacks if they want him to have the impact he's supposed to be having. They have a lot of money in this pass rush, and they are getting mediocrity out of that money. Hmm. Quinnen Smith uh, joined by Danny Trevathan, who honestly, Jeff, I'm surprised is still uh, got his spot on on this defense. Look, he capitalized on the free agency, won a Super Bowl with Denver, had a big role in that uh, uh, in that defense. But he's getting a little long on the tooth, and I saw I thought I saw some noticeable regression from him. Is there a chance he's a camp casualty, or are they sold on him still? I think he's going to be on this roster this year. He's being paid an awful lot of money. The cap hit would be devastating if he's not on the roster. So he'll be out there. Listen, he's definitely lost a step. And and in this defense, where you have to cover so much of the field from that position, he's a liability. He is, in a lot of ways, saved by the fact that he plays next to one of the best inside linebackers in football. And Roquan Smith can do absolutely everything. He is a monster in the run game. He is terrific in pass coverage. And he covers a lot of the issues that Danny Trevathan now struggles with and allows Danny Trevathan to play a little bit more downhill, where, where he can still do the job and let Roquan cover the space. So I think Trevathan will be a part of this team this year. be very surprising if after that we don't see a lot of these veterans the Robert Quinns, the Khalil Max, the Danny Trevathans, we don't see a lot of them sort of move on come the end of next season. But no cap casualty during, I mean, the next couple of months, you can't see a big I, name? I don't see it. Okay. I, I think this team wants to win right now. I, I don't see them trying to free up cap space or trying to get the This roster right now, they want to win this year and put together a winning culture for Justin Fields. So, the Charles Leno cut was the only real surprising one this offseason because that was certainly not a win-now move. But I really believe that they think this defensive group under Sean Desai, getting back to some of those Fangio concepts, can get back to top five in the league. And they think Trevathan is going to be a part of that. Defense, quarterback, we've talked about a lot here with this squad. We haven't talked about, though, something we talked about the last time you were on, the stadium issue. The latest you're hearing on that front, 
we know what you said at the time, and it was great hearing your thoughts and keeping Soldier Field the way that it is and the spot that the stadium is for the Chicago Bears. Just where we are right now, and is this, again, just a whole lot of talk and not a whole lot of action? It's, it is the most blatant negotiating play we've seen so far See, with Ted Phillips so making the announcement that they put in a bid on the space in Arlington Heights. I, I don't see it happening. They are under contract. They have a lease at Soldier Field until 2030-something, somewhere in the early 2030s. Uh, Chicago, the city, cannot let them leave. That building will become a ghost town. It, it, they will be there. I do not see them going to the suburbs anytime soon. But I would expect, because it's politics and because there's a lot of money at stake, this will play out publicly now for the next few months and probably for the next few years. This is something George Steinbrenner did to perfection in New York for years. Every time he got pissed at the city of New York, he would tell them he's going to move the team to Paramus. And everyone would, everyone would go crazy. The Yankees are going to play in Paramus? The next year was Hackensack. Then it was Bayonne. He just kept threatening to move them until he got the concessions he wanted for the building he wanted. I think that's what the Bears are trying to get now, and ultimately, they'll get him. Uh, what's it? Uh, it's probably going to take ten wins to get into the playoffs. I'm not. I don't think ten wins is going to win the division. Uh, they start at uh, on Sunday night football against the Rams, and then the next two games. You know, normally a couple of years ago, you'd see well, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Detroit. Those are three layups. Those three teams. I think Cincinnati's going to be way better. Cleveland looks like a playoff team. Not sure about Detroit, but can they get the ten wins? Can this team? Uh, fine postseason this year. You know, it's so funny. In all these years I've been doing these spots with you guys, I feel like I've said the same sentence 4,000 times. <laughs> and that sentence is, who's the quarterback? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're telling me Andy Dalton's getting the first half of this season, I don't necessarily think they're going to be a 10-win team and go to the playoffs. If you're telling me Justin Fields takes this job this summer, blows this team out, uh, blows this team away with his summer performances and is the starter day one, yeah, I think his explosiveness could get them there. And the other question is, I mean, do we is Aaron Rodgers showing up? Is he coming to Green Bay and playing for the Green Bay Packers? Because if he shows up and plays for Green Bay historically, that's two losses on the Bears' schedule. And if he doesn't show up historically, that's at, at worst one win and probably two for the Bears. So until the Rodgers situation settles itself, which it seems like it's starting to, uh, and I know who the Bears' quarterback is, I think it's hard to know, but... It doesn't look like a particularly deep NFC right now. So I think nine, ten wins will get you that seven spot and get you in the playoffs. And I don't see any reason the Bears won't be competing for that in December. Let's jump over to another one of your loves, and that is golf. Ken and I also very same, and we love also gambling in it. For you, you got to go across the river to Jersey yeah, to get your bets in, at least legally, uh, to do that. <laughs> so, Jeff, uh, first, just open up. But We know you as a Bears fan, and... A great guest to have here on the radio, but where's the love of golf come from? Because I think you tweet about it about as much as you do the Bears. <laughs> yeah, I lose twenty to thirty followers with every tweet, so it's a it's a foolproof <laughs> method for success. Um, you know, I, I've always loved the game, and then in nineteen ninety six, a fellow named Tiger Woods showed up and mm. just changed my entire view of it. Uh, I didn't actually start playing till about ten years ago, nine ten years ago. I moved to a, a predominantly Irish neighborhood in Queens, New York and just took on the game of golf in a new way. They, the Irish and, and, and the English and the Scottish play golf differently than here. It's not country club, club culture. It's not a high, fancy game. It's a game for buddies. 
It's a game to hang out. It's a game you go off for the crack afterwards. And I fell in love with it. I watch every PGA Tour event, senior tour event, European tour event, ladies tour event. If the Golf Channel is on in my house more than most clubhouses in, <laughs> in golf clubs around the country, if you gave me one sport to watch on a Sunday, it ain't football, folks. Wow. And I know I've, I, it, it's golf for me. And uh, it is my, my sport passion more than any other. And this is my favorite week of the year because I just think the history and these great links golf courses and the fans and the atmosphere is just so amazing uh, at the Open every year. And uh, I just can't wait for it to start tomorrow night. If I could only watch one major every year, thankfully that's not the case. But if I could, I would be with you. I'd be watching uh, uh, the Open Championship. It is appointment television for me as well. Jeff Hughes, thanks for doing this. We will talk with you a whole bunch here in the weeks ahead. Thank you, Jeff. TheBearsBlog.com, TheBearsBlog.com, or follow Jeff on Twitter at TheBearsBlog. Thank you, Jeff Hughes. Take care, guys. Good to talk to you. Jeff Hughes on the Chicago Bears. By the way, the key word was, if you missed it a few minutes ago, was pay. 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 200-200. We'll come back, finish up the program uh, with my theory. You got a Big 12 theory here for us. I think we're overthinking who that other team is. Thinking. We ask everybody that we have on from the Big 12, well, if it's not Oklahoma or Iowa State, Mm -hmm. who is it? A lot of TCU love. Yes. We both like TCU. I do. We both overlooked this team, and it was staring us right in the face. And we'll let you know who when we come back on 1460 KXNO and 106.8 in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Maybe you're thinking about franchising your business or purchasing a franchise. There's an experienced and trustworthy franchise lawyer right in your backyard. Don't waste your time or money searching for a lawyer out of state when Rush Niggett is here and ready to help your business. Hi, I'm Rush. I've specialized in business and franchise law for the past 25 years. I don't just want to be your lawyer. I want your business to succeed as much as you do. Your business. Business needs Rush. Visit his award-winning blog at RushOnBusiness.com. It's good to have Rush on... KXNO. Trent Condon here with you. There's two kinds of rental property owners. The do-it-yourself guy and the renter's warehouse guy. You know DIY guy. He insists on handling everything himself, even if it makes him miserable. Renter's warehouse guys are a lot happier because they let my friends at Renter's Warehouse handle all their property management headaches. Like when a tenant clogs a crapper, DIY guy grabs a plunger, heads over, opens the lid, and nearly passes out. Renner's Warehouse guy, he lets Renner's Warehouse handle it. When tenants are late with rent, DIY guy interrupts his workday to call them, email them, text them, until he's wasted his entire day. While Renner's Warehouse guy lets Renner's Warehouse handle it. And when a tenant has an emergency at 3 in the morning, DIY guy has to roll out of bed and handle it himself. Because when you're a DIY landlord, your tenant's problems are always your problems. Renner's Warehouse guy, he sleeps soundly through the night. When it comes to your property management, let Renner's Warehouse handle it. Get your free rental price analysis at Renner'sWarehouse.com today. That's Renner'sWarehouse.com today or call 515-528-44 in iHeartMedia. Hi, 
right, final segment here on a Tuesday. A couple of farmers markets going on tonight. Beaverdale, they're open from 4 until 7.30. Franklin Middle School and Johnston, their farmers market. Open Tuesdays, the Simpson Barn, 6169 North Glen Drive in Johnson. NCMIC sponsors all of our farmers updates uh, farmers market updates throughout the summer. All right, uh, Trent, we are uh, overlooking the obvious, I think, when it comes to the third team that's in, going to be in the conversation for Big 12. I don't know if they can win it all, uh, but they, I guess they could. Um, it's Texas. It's Texas. It, it, and it's, you remember two years ago we went to Big 12, Big 10 Media Days. We're in Chicago. We're talking about the Big 10 West. We're making a case for same. Uh, Purdue's got an outside chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hawks are going to be salty. I'm all over Minnesota that year. Who were good. Who were good. And they were unbeaten until November, right? I think they beat Penn State, and then it went they downhill. And then that. Iowa beat them. And then Again. Iowa beat them. That's Phil Fleck. Can't figure out Kirk Ferentz. He is not. Neither is Matt Campbell. Neither is Frosty the Coachman. That's true. But um, I think we're overlooked. And when nobody was picking Wisconsin, is my point, when, uh-huh. we, when we left Chicago. Texas, I think, is loaded. I really do. I know they lose Sam Ellinger, but they lost Sam Ellinger in the bowl game last year. And this kid, Casey Thompson, came off the bench against Colorado, who was unbeaten and in the hunt for a Pac-12 championship last year. He was 8-for-10 for 400, or threw for four touchdowns. If Brees Hall is the best running back in the Big 12, and I believe he is, I don't think it's a huge margin to get to number two. Bijan Robinson is the real deal and if you don't know this kid yet and we saw him last year Mm -hmm. he is going to make a major major impact their offensive line is good their receiving core look they're texas you would think they've got some athletes they got a transfer from lsu coming off the edge on defense the guy's name is ray thornton he's going to make a major impact defensive line is good and they might have the best kicker in the big 12 or one of the best kickers in college football, in Dicker, the kicker, who happened to miss a 45, or 54 rather, 54 57 yard field goal to tie Iowa State to give, to send the game to overtime last year. One of three losses for Texas. You ready? They lost to TCU by two. Mm -hmm. They lost in quadruple overtime to Oklahoma, and they lost to Iowa State when Dicker, the kicker, was wide left. That TCU game was just a meltdown. They were the better football team. They didn't win the game. Oklahoma game, they had the lead late. Yes. Oklahoma was on their way to their third loss of the season, and how quickly their season around. the narrative changes if Texas doesn't blow that game. Mm -hmm. Tom Herman's still there. Probably is. Iowa State we saw that game. We know how close, mm-hmm. and that was a coin flip game that went the other way. I think you're right on a new coach. The question still, though, is quarterback. Mm-hmm. And we got to see a little bit when the Alamo Bowl, that's what they were uh, I think, last year. Yeah, against Colorado, wherever yeah. it was. I believe you're right. When we saw it, Ellinger go down. I believe you're right, yep. Casey yeah, shoulder came in. Uh-huh. He's really good. Crushed. But many people believe he's, he's still in not, a fight. He's not going to be the starter. No, It's Hudson Card who... Had a bigger recruiting profile. Mm -hmm. He was kind of that true blue chip prospect coming in. And people think that Hudson Card will be the guy. That's going to be one of the storylines I'm certainly away from Iowa State going to be looking to hear this The quarterback battle in Austin. I agree. Hearing the people down there, what they're saying, what the conversation is. I think you're right. Because, yeah, we want to. It's too easy to go, Texas. Let's just overlook him. And you get to TCU, who we both like. We do. Deggy has his moments in West Virginia. Boy, they return a ton. 
dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of putting that together. Maybe this year, Kansas State, when they were healthy last year, the Wildcats were pretty good. Yeah. When they weren't, like against Iowa State, they were really bad. And they got blown out. But they beat Oklahoma in back-to-back years. Uh-huh. And how good is Kansas State? Uh-huh. So we talk ourselves and into like this narrative. I like I'm a big fan. Sark in year one. New coach. Yeah, I mean. Hit the ground at, running. It's not his first head job. Um, right. and, and that's important. Sure. This, yeah, he, he knows what it takes to be a head coach. Um, I, Trent, I just think Texas is the team. If, they, if, if it's not Oklahoma, if it's not Iowa State, I think we're outthinking ourselves. Well, you can get them just to reach the championship game at 3-1. to one, those pretty Texas good price for them. Homes. I think so, too. You're laying money with Iowa State. Think of that. Yeah. Minus 140. You have to lay 140 just mm-hmm. to get to the title game. And now Texas comes here this year, correct? In October, I'm pretty November. sure. November. I mean, in November. That's yep, what I November meant November 6th. Okay. Is when they'll come in there. That is the fourth to last game uh, for, I'm looking at the Texas schedule here. Texas, the other important thing with them, though, getting off the mat early. You know who they play week one? I do. The Raging Cajuns. And they return basically everybody. everybody. Yeah. I think they return more starts than anyone in college football. I saw that from Bill Connolly, yeah. They are very high in that right. returning production list. And then week two is Sam Pittman in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. They overachieved last year. That they did. Even in a three-win season, that team played at a high level. They returned most everybody. they got to figure out that quarterback mm-hmm. spot very, very quickly because it's not just, yeah, we get UTEP like they did in week one and they won 59-3 to last year. Right. These are two real teams to open things up. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm on this Texas team. Iowa State, they come here first weekend in November, and then Kansas at West Virginia, K-State. So the last three weeks of the season, certainly some winnable football games there. I bet the National League tonight. I you get, did. I don't know why. I, I just I was playing around, yeah. bored. <laughs> Must be nice having all that futures money just sitting in your account that you can dink around about things you don't even care about. I bet I bet the Bengals, I bet the Broncos to make the playoffs. Uh, and I got plus I think I got plus one sixty, Cincinnati over six and a half. Who you betting the game tonight? I think I ultimately will. Maybe I'll just take the other side yeah. for you. Give me the American League. Uh, should be a fun game. The Midsummer Classic tonight. Murph and Andy in an hour and five minutes. More Trent Condon. He sits in the next three days solo on the Fanatics. But Chris will join from Big 12 Media Days. We're Miller and Condon. Weekdays from 10 until noon on Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO and 106.3.